1: Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Scott Ritzheimer. He is CEO at Scale Architects, I always love having other folks that help businesses grow and scale on the program. We get to compare notes, get to compare war stories a little bit. Kind of hear, you know, what's going on in other people's worlds. It's you know, it's such a diverse space out there. There's so many businesses that struggle with this growth challenges. You know, running into all sorts of obstacles, or all sorts of limits, and, and helping them through it is one of the fun parts of of being a coach, being an advisor in in this space. And I'm, it's always fun to have someone on who's uh, doing similar stuff. I find everyone has different backgrounds and different strategies. So it's always interesting to sort of compare and contrast. But um, uh, excited to have Scott on and, and talk a little bit about the work that he's done, his history, how he works with clients and, and some of the success he's had and, and learning so that hopefully we can share with the audience, help them gain a little insight to help them with their businesses. With that, Scott, welcome to the program.
0: Bruce, thanks for having me. Definitely looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, absolute pleasure. So before we kind of dig into uh, helping businesses scale and the work you're doing today, let's do a little bit of background. How did you get into this space? What was your history? Give us the backstory.
0: Yeah, so I'm one of those folks who has to learn things the hard way. <laughs> and, uh, and so I spent my first uh, 12, 13 years of my career starting, leading, running, growing, failing a lot in the world of small business. We had the lucky pleasure of starting our company in August of 2008. Nice. And uh, yeah, if you'll remember, <laughs> that was not a great time to start a business and just learned a lot. You know, yeah. those first six months, especially, were, were just really, really challenging getting the thing up off the ground. It was a sort of unique situation because the business had existed, had been sold. And then basically repossessed after being completely destroyed. Yeah. And so not only were we building a new business, we were actually we had to take on about three hundred clients that had paid the other company but received no work. And so you know we had to make good on our name and, and get, make that happen. We had a bunch of debt that they had accumulated that we didn't get any benefit from. And <laughs> I mean it was just a wonderful situation. You know, it was, yeah, it's exactly. really <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's Like I'm going to start with a broken leg. And- yeah. One hand, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then I'm going to do it all backwards. But really, just what an incredible learning opportunity. I mean, at the time, I was uh, what 21. When we got it, I, actually, I wow. hadn't turned 21 yet. I couldn't even drink yet, uh, and so <laughs> it was uh, it was just a phenomenal experience, painful experience, being through all of that. But I learned so much about starting an organization. And what I've found, you know, now doing the consulting work that I do is starting an organization is really nothing like scaling an organization. Mm -hmm. And and I'm sure you know this from the work that you do as well, but it took us a really long time to figure that out. You know, there's this phase that you go through where you get that startup thing, you finally get profitable and things work really, really well for a while. Mm-hmm. Now it's chaos. You know, like it, there's there's some <laughs> editing uh, that we do when we go back and look at how the glory days were glorious. Oh yeah. But the reality of it is the chaos works. I can't tell you why it works or how it works. It's just the chaos works. Mm-hmm. And during that time, you know, for us, we started to get this sense of like, oh, we figured this out. You know, there's there's these big <laughs> players who who do what we do and we're stealing clients from them and you know, it's like every week is just this breathless sprint across the finish line, but you make it, and so it's just awesome. It's just again, just such a phenomenal experience that early in my life. Yeah. Uh, but what ended up happening is several years in is all that chaos started to catch up with us. Mm-hmm. And, and I know that you know this because, I mean, it, it happens to every single successful organization. But I would assume that just about every single successful organization felt like we did, which was we're the only ones who are dealing with this problem. Yep. It's like we were doing things. It was successful. It was wonderful. And now all of a sudden it seems like everything we do either doesn't work or works less than we hoped it would. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were scratching our heads for years. And one of the lessons that I learned after a very long time was that it takes a very long time to do business alone. And, you know, the thing that for years we just massively undervalued and had a few bad experiences that kind of validated our beliefs, but we undervalued having someone else come in and, and help us to understand the road that we were on.
1: No, yeah, I was going to say, it's it's that kind of pathfinder, Yeah, right? it, Like you can, you can sit there with the machete and, yes. <laughs> and, and cut your way through the jungle, yes. you know, or you, you can kind of find someone who's been down this before and say, hey, you know what, if we just go like 10 feet to the right, there's actually kind of a clearing and we yeah. can kind of get through this without having to cut through the, the brush.
0: Yeah. So yeah. let's just say my machete hand is well calloused. <laughs> <It's, laughs> <laughs> <you know>, Double handed. <laughs> yeah. Why well, do it the easy way when you can chop stuff up? I mean, it's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a lot more fun. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, you know, we're kind of in this weird period in the company. My partner and I are struggling a little bit just when things get tough, it just gets hard. You know, partnerships just in general are hard, but it just seems to add a layer when you're going through it. And, Mm -hmm. and, you know, absolutely love and adore the guy. I mean, one of my best friends in the world, but especially during that time, it's just difficult. Like we weren't Mm -hmm. seeing eye to eye on a lot of stuff. And, and we couldn't figure out why. Like it felt like we were always going against each other, even though we wanted the same things. Yeah. And you know, looking back, it was really just an alignment issue. It was just a, a confusion and a clarity issue. But then it's like, not only am I going to lose this company that I've, I've been working to build, but I might lose one of my best friends as well. Yeah. And that was just it was just a tough season. So I had a chance to take a quick break. My wife is actually from Norway. And so we would try to get out there about once a year for Christmas mm-hmm. or the summer or something like that. So this is seven, eight years ago, something like that now, six or seven years ago, somewhere in there. I'm terrible with time, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> We're out in Norway and we decide, hey, we're going to leave the kids with the, with my in-laws, you know, nice. grandma and grandpa, you're, you're in, uh-huh. best of mom and best of fa for our Norwegian guests. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, we left them with them and then had this just awesome opportunity to go watch a Formula One race in Monaco, which nice. I mean, is just like an experience that I will never forget. The <laughs> Just to show you how dull a person I am. <laughs> that was the highlight of your uh, yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> the thing that was most impactful about that trip was the audiobook I was listening to while we were flying down there and back.
1: Hmm?
0: Now, if you're flying from Norway to Monaco with your wife on a weekend trip, do not listen to business audiobooks. <laughs> it's just, it's not... <laughs> a, if there's, there's one thing you get out of this episode, that is piece of advice we should guess. oh my goodness yeah don't do it but i did and you know fortunately we are still happily married and and that is by virtue of my wife's patience yeah exactly (laughs) but we had a great trip and it was all wonderful. But while we were flying down, I was listening to a book by a gentleman named Les McEwen called predictable success. And as we were flying down, I was listening to uh, his description of what he calls phase three of the business life cycle, seven different stages. Don't have to get into all of that, but phase three is a stage that he calls whitewater. Mm -hmm. And, as he was reading it, it was like he was just, you know, it's like he had a camera inside of our (laughs) office. It's just like, who is this guy? And how does he know this much about us? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. it was was terrifying. Mm -hmm. Um, And two things hit me. And and again, just to show you how weird I am. One is, this is where we are. There's hope that we can get out of this. Mm -hmm. And as I continued reading and I understood the process of getting out of Whitewater, the next thing that hit me was, if I could help businesses get through this every day, like, if that's what I could do for a living, yeah. I would die a happy man. And for those, you know, who who know of Whitewater, or who have experienced that time in your business history, when things were working really well, and then all of a sudden they aren't, and you can't put a finger on why, and, I mean, honestly, it's a miserable time inside of a company, from the mm-hmm. leadership level all the way down to the bottom, for so many different reasons. And so it's really weird when a guy like me says, I want to help people through that. You know, that, that's like saying, <laughs> I want to get into the mud wrestling pit and you just go at it, you know, day in and day out every day. Uh-huh. Uh, and and hopefully we can come out and get cleaned up eventually. But, but it, it is, it, it's this type of problem that I love because it's this beautiful intersection of what's at stake in Whitewater is can you get the balance of vision and creativity and risk taking and execution getting stuff done can you get all of that balanced with the system and process that you need to do that at scale Yeah. yeah. And yeah, it's just a, it's a phenomenal uh, problem, but it's one that I find a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah. You mentioned something early in uh, your kind of your background there, which I think is is something we've talked about on the program a little bit. And I just want to kind of point out because I think it's unique to service companies, which is, I think, you know, you mentioned that companies are kind of easy to start and they're hard to scale. And I think for service companies is doubly so, right? Like it's, it's not that hard to kind of Hang a shingle, you know. Find a couple of clients, start making some money, hire a few people to do the project, and you know you can. I say you you can create a very nice job for yourself.
0: Yeah, (laughs) exactly. You're you're doing
1: the work, right? You're you're most likely doing the work. You're either you know you may be delivering, you may be project managing. You're most likely selling, and certainly kind of account managing. You know, but it's not it's not that difficult to kind of get that going. But to take that to scale particularly for service companies, it can be horribly complicated. Yes. (laughs) That that water can be very frothy. (laughs) Yeah. Just because, you know, you're dealing with people, you're dealing with culture, it's like trying to standardize, systematize these things, coming up with, you know, operating procedures and stuff for service. I mean, you're dealing with people. Like, people are just you know, fundamentally not good at routines, right? I mean, people love to be creative. People love to do, love diversity, love, you know, novelty, you know, and so trying to get a service company to be consistent and follow a procedure and things like that can be, you know, like literally like pulling teeth. (laughs) And if you're a dental practice, you're literally pulling teeth. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) You're doing it both ways. And I would say that's especially true for the people who like being in the startup world. Yeah. Those people that you need to get the thing off the ground, many times, the ones who are very, very best, who shine the brightest during that time, they burn out the fastest in whitewater. Yeah. And so, you know, you have the whole like normal part of just getting people to follow routines. But then you have the part of I've got these folks who've been with me from the beginning who have sweat equity up to their ears. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that they can make the switch. Mm hmm. And
1: I don't know if you've run into this. You know, so sometimes those people are senior leadership, yeah, right? As no. the CEO
0: and the founder. You know, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's a
1: difficult situation and a difficult conversation when you're when you're realizing that.
0: Yeah, the very very first thing, transition that has to happen is that senior leadership. You know, it's yeah. uh, the the thing. I, this metaphor, if you will, that I like to use is, is sports because you know it's an easy one to to kind of hang a hook on. But <laughs> what you're doing is you've gotten really good at being captain on the field right? Mm-hmm. It, by this point in the business life cycle, you're a great quarterback. You're running plays, you're getting people on the right routes, you're calling audibles, you win based on what you do on the field, right? Yeah. The size of your hand matters, the height matters, the strength of your arm matters, you know, like your ability to read a defense quickly matters, the, the time you spend in a pocket matters. Mm-hmm. And what we're talking about in Whitewater is moving from quarterback to coach. Mm hmm. And now all of a sudden, none of that matters. All these skills that you have refined to the nth degree, they don't help you anymore to lead from the sideline. In fact, they, they sometimes hurt you. <laughs> big time, big yeah. time. Well, yeah, so what does yeah. that look like, right? This is, it's so funny to, to talk about it this way because it would never happen. But what we do as leaders when we're making this transition from quarterback to coach, it's like the coach standing on the sideline and recognizing that the quarterback has called the wrong play. Mm-hmm. And rather than wait it out, use it as a learning opportunity, right as the ball is hiked, the, the coach runs out onto the field, <laughs> knocks over the quarterback, takes the ball out of his hand and tries to chuck it down, you know, and, and make the right play. What would happen? Yeah. Everything would come to a screeching halt. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Whistles are blowing, flags are flying, and, and it's, it's just crazy. We would never do that in the sports world, but that's what we do almost every single day in, in the business world.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's, and you can understand why. I mean, it's not, there's a practical aspect and there's an ego aspect to it, right? I mean, practically, I mean, I always say like as as a CEO, you probably do know the right place. You probably do know what should happen. The problem is, is you need to let someone else do it. Even if you know better, if you're going to scale the organization, you still need to let the other people do it. Like you're never going to, if your bar is, I'm going to wait until I find someone who can do it, can do it better than I can. That's going to be a long wait, right? You need to start developing those people. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And so last summer, you know, midst of COVID happening and everything, uh, um, I had an opportunity to work with a couple in the marketing space. And similar to like you were saying earlier, like they got the thing up and running, got it off the ground. And what forced them into the scale conversation relatively early was that they didn't pick up one client at a time, they would pick up about 100 at a time. Yeah, because what they did, they ran a a marketing co op for for distributors. And so they would all of a sudden they'd go from one, they were like one to two to 15 to 115. And they had another one knocking on the doors like we're going to go to 250 by the end of the year. Mm -hmm. And their hair was on fire. Now, you tell someone in marketing, I've got 200 clients lined up for you in the next two years, like every single one of them is going to grin ear to ear. Yep. But then you give them 200 clients in two years, and that grin goes away really quickly. And mm-hmm. and and that's what happened to them. When I first met them, we were in a, a meeting together, uh, one that I was going to be speaking at and before the meeting, one owner was there. And and he was talking about how you know things were great in the business and things were growing. It was wonderful. And as I start talking and we start getting into whitewater, I could just see like, and we all do this. There's the facade started to fall off.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Right, and all of a sudden, I can just see in his eyes like. Oh, no, this is real. You know, like, mm-hmm. this This is where this is I'm at. And he engaged for the conversation. It was good. And, and he said, hey, I'd, I'd love to talk to you afterwards. And a day or two later, he called and he said, you know what, Scott, honestly, running a multi-million dollar business, it's great. But I think we're, we're done. I, I just don't think it's worth it anymore. Mm-hmm. And he was there. He was in Whitewater. What had happened to kind of precipitate this feeling for him and his wife was that their their number two had just kind of collapsed under the pressure. Mm-hmm. You know, she was you know, she was working crazy hours. And, I mean, we see this all the time. It's the same pattern that happens again and again. But they realize, hey, if she can't do it and we can't do it, how are we ever going to make this happen? Anything that had to get done really had to get done by them or someone that was directly proximate to them. They, they hadn't been able to make that change to being the coach on the sideline. Yeah. And you know, I still remember we, we got the their leadership team together and we did a session and just laid this out you know like hey this is this is where we're at this is where we need to go this is the truth of the situation and by the end of that session we recognized you know 40 50% of what the leaders were doing they had no business doing Mm-hmm. It, it could have been done by anyone in the organization. They just hadn't let go. Yeah. And and so this like massive amount of stress, this, this just intense pressure to perform literally melted away over the course of a single session because they realized, okay, the things that we haven't been getting to, we really do need to get to, but we can because we don't have to be doing all of these extra tasks that, you know, someone at the bottom, if you will, the front mm-hmm. line of the organization could handle. Even better than we could yeah. by virtue of the fact that they can give their full attention to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is the, or I guess, what are your indicators, your tells that you look for when you're, you know, working meeting a potential client or you know, early stages of working with a client that tells you whether or not this is is going to be likely or unlikely that they can go through this transition,
0: that they can make it or not. Yeah. That's a couple of things. Uh, the. The thing that I'm looking for in terms of whether or not I have it, because I don't believe that it's a a wiring thing, like you either can't make it or can make it. I don't really believe that. I I think that what matters is whether or not you have a vision for something greater than what you're experiencing right now and and whether or not that's true. Because we can have a, a dream of what something bigger or better would be, but that's different. That, that's something that's like, oh, it w- wouldn't it be nice? But when I find someone who's like, they just have this passion about this thing needs to be more than it is right now. That's really what it is, because that, that's the only thing that's going to get you through the transitions that you have to make as a leader to achieve scale, you know, to make it something greater than it is right now. Yeah. And, and so that's really the biggest thing. And, and I spent a lot of time just saying, hey, what do you want this to be? Like, what do you really want this to be? Because you can want it to be this en- enormous, relatively speaking, business, and I can give you a proven process to do that. Or... If you like what it was a year or two ago before the chaos hit, let's unwind things a little bit and get back to that. And so for me, it's not so much can you get through or can't you, it's which one's better for you. And that, that's really where we, we go with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, do, do you find, or I guess that the ones that are more successful in getting through that, that, that vision is something other than a number or other than a, a money number, <laughs> yeah. right? Like if, 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 if I sit down with someone and they say, well, I'm just, I'm really looking to get to 50 million in revenue or a hundred million in revenue. It's like, okay. But why, right? right? Like, what what is the impact? Like, you know, is it about you know the number of people you want to serve? Is it about you know a geographic expansion? Is it about you know getting to some kind of future state that has some kind of de- desirable outcome you know yeah. f- either for you or for your people or for the clients you serve or for si- society like that that i find is much more likely when, when people get so focused on just the money number i just find it gets it's very very quickly <laughs> money doesn't make up for a lot of the pain and suffering that you have to go through to get through that white water stage absolutely
0: yeah and, and it's a great place to start and where someone can come alongside and say. Do you really want what it would mean to be a $50 million mm. organization, right? Mm. Let's talk about what your life would look like if that was the case. And for some, it's an overwhelming yes. Yeah. For others, $5 million is a much better fit. They're mm-hmm. going to live a much higher quality of life. They're going to spend way more of their time doing what they want, both in work and out of work. And so a big part of what I do is is I, I feel like I help people to recognize they have a choice between two valid and equally noble options. Because a lot of times what we do is we fall into the trap that only bigger is better. And mm-hmm. if you think only bigger is better, then you're going to sacrifice everything at the altar of growth, and you're going to come up empty-handed at the end of it. Yeah. But if you recognize, I can always choose to grow because there's a way to do that, and I can always choose to hold back a little bit. Not that you end growing, but you just pull the dials down a little. Yeah. Uh, when you recognize you're in control of that choice, that is freedom.
1: Yeah, you're not the wheel and have have your hand on the throttle and could decide, you know, do I want more or do I want less rather than it deciding for you? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so talk to me a little bit about, you know, once uh, a leader, a founder, a CEO is developed a clear vision, once uh, that growth, what are some of the steps like to actually start e- either helping Structure things to go through whitewater or help in the whitewater phase, you know, making it less turbulent. What are some of the things you focus on?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, So two answers to that. One is that it's important not only what you do, but the order that you do it. Because a lot of us will try and jump to what I would say are our later stage strategies, things like alignment and empowering people. When yeah. when in fact you've got to lay the framework and the groundwork first. And that's where the idea of scale architects come from, is you actually have to build the structure that enables the fun stuff like alignment and culture and empowerment Mm -hmm. and all of those things. So what you do is important. And when you do it's really important because a lot of us, either we try and skip steps, we try and spot fix success. And and that doesn't work when it comes to scale. Now, what are we doing, you know, in terms of the actual strategies? Well, you know, at the very beginning, you got to start with, you know, we call it org chart plus, which is again, one of the most exciting phrases in the world. (laughs) Uh, but you know by this time for most organizations and rightly so their org chart is very dusty you know, yeah. it's you know when you're in a young organization that's growing fast, your org chart is out of date by the time you put the last name on it. You <laughs> know, it, it's, it's just not even like worth. I find of the day you, that you finish. Yeah, it. yeah, exactly. There, there's no point in in really going after an org chart in those early days. But once you start getting up to that forty, fifty, hundred people, you know, different industries will hit it at different thresholds. You start to recognize that there's actually value in an org chart, not just because it's a flow chart, but because it creates clarity for how people need to show up, what their responsibilities are, and how they contribute to the success of the organization. And so just doing simple, mundane tasks like drafting an org chart, writing role descriptions, you know, writing out your your meeting cadence, just simple things like that that you get People working together is what starts to build that machine for decision making that you need to be able to scale.
1: Yeah. What what are some of the typical challenges? You know, as you go through that exercise, what are some of the things that come up that you then have to kind of resolve or grapple with? I mean, I, I guess, you know, it. I don't, I don't get the sense it's simply like, oh, okay, well, you just write all these things down and it's all super clear and you just move forward, right? Like, yeah. There's going to be issues. How do you go through resolving some of the issues that will come up when you go through that exercise?
0: Yeah, uh, inevitably, you will find, and usually at the top leadership level, that somebody on your team was the right person to get you where you are, but they're not acting in a way that will get you to where you want to go. And it is not uncommon for an organization in Whitewater to churn through up to 30-40% of their staff across the board, including leadership. Because the nature of an organization that can scale is very different than the nature of an organization that can grow you know, through those early stages. Mm-hmm. And so when we talk about org chart and a flow chart, that's the easy stuff. You know, writing out uh, a, you know, a, an organization chart on a piece of paper, that's relatively simple. The conversations that you need to have because of that, those are very challenging. And when you have a leader who doesn't stack up, I mean, there's any number of different things that you can do. My thing is, is generally, you got to ask if they want it, right? It, it, do, do you want what this new position is going to be? Because if you don't, let's not punish either of us in trying to force you <laughs> exactly. into that mold, right? Uh, the second thing is, if you want it, are you willing to change to what it's going to be and not what it was, And if they are, then for me, you know, there's a a significant amount of grace and support in that process. We're all learning, we're all developing, we all have rough edges that need to be worked off. And, And if you've got someone who genuinely, genuinely wants it, then there are lots of ways to help that person grow as a leader. Now, if they don't want it or they say they want it, but they don't really, then that's where the the choice has to come, especially for a leader, especially when they've got that sweat equity. And we had this, the company I worked for, we had a guy who wasn't top leadership level, but he represented about 40% of our income as a company. And we had to part ways with him. And that's terrifying, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like, Obviously, the guy's good at what he does, but he was not taking us the direction that we needed to go. And we knew it. We knew it for a long time. But like most people, we drug our feet and drug our feet and drug our feet because we're like, how are we ever going to replace all of that income? In one year, not only did we replace the income, we increased it by about 18%. When I've done work with clients, I've seen it again and again and again. When you know that that person is not the right fit for that role moving forward, when you know that they were the right person to get you where you were today, but they're not the right person to move forward, it is in everybody's best interest to move quickly. And so when we finally came to that realization just to help people, because we're worried they're going to go out in the cold, they're going to be miserable, it's going to be awful. That's not what happens in the real world. So this gentleman who who is representing a, a significant portion of our income went on to start his own business and was making four or five times as much within three years as he was working for us. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's a massive win for everybody. And it was our own cowardice that was getting in the way of his success just as much as ours.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think it's just a classic example of – I think the fundamental challenge of business is, you know, you have you have to make money now and in the future. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 sometimes those trade-offs are tough to make and thinking strategically and making strategic long-term decisions is horribly painful short-term, right? You yeah. have to go through the the emotional loss of letting someone go, the financial loss, you know, short-term loss of losing yeah. that revenue, you know, but in service of the bigger picture goal and the longer-term goal of you know, creating a scalable, highly profitable organization. And, and it's just, you know, it's the nature of business. And, and, you know, it's kind of the, if you don't like the heat, stay out of the kitchen. <laughs> right. If you, if you don't like making good long-term strategic decisions that sometimes are painful short-term, you know, it's going to be tough, tough to be successful Absolutely. long-term in business.
0: Absolutely. A couple other things just real quick yeah. that that we take people through is you got to get your leadership team working right. You know, what tends to happen is you have a bunch of what we would call vertical leadership. You know, I'm in charge of this department, they report to me, I report to the head. And and that's how it works. Meetings are reporting sessions, you know, they're they're not team meetings. And so getting people to really lead laterally to work cross functionally at the leadership level is really, really important. You're not the head of sales, you help lead Mm -hmm. the company. Yeah. And and yeah, that's just a massive, a massive transition. We spend a lot of time working with teams on how do we show up to lead this company together?
1: Yeah. I I often start with this exercise when I'm working with a new leadership team and I, I, I just say, Hey, look, what team are you on? And I have them go around and they say, Oh, sales team. I'm on the engineering team. I'm on, you know, marketing, I'm on delivery and I'm operations. I'm in finance. And they all go around and then I finish this. No, you're all on the leadership team. Yeah. You, You happen to run departments but you know if finance uh, if accounting has to change the way it does invoices so that we can better deliver to a client and we can make the overall system better you need to do mm-hmm. it right like you may have to suffer a local pain to create a system level optimization and it, it, if they don't get that it's going to be it's going to be tough right they're just not going to have the optimization not going to do the work that needs to
0: get done absolutely absolutely yeah. And then uh, the same thing has to happen throughout the company. So you know what we tend to find is that the these companies, even though they have lots of departments, they really only have two departments: they have sales and sales support. You know, that, that's that's really what it is. And by this point, Whitewater, there is this huge gap between the two of them, the no man's land, you know. And we're kind of chucking grenades across every once in a while, but not a lot is flowing really well between that. Now that may be different, you know, for different. An organization for uh, for nonprofits. it to compete those who do versus those who support you know those who are the those who are in the field versus those who are in the home office whatever that division is that's got to go away. Mm-hmm. And you've got to get rid of those silos. You've got to bring that cross-functional uh, work together because otherwise you get you just get too much dropping between the cracks. You get too much division inside the company. You try and do alignment and culture in, with a group of people who can't work together cross-functionally, oh, yeah. it's never going to happen. Yeah. And so you just have to build that expectation that we don't just live in our verticals. We are part of one company, just like we have one team leading the company. We are part of one company throughout all the ranks in the organization and that happens really naturally early on. When there's five of you, you know, the, yeah. like, there's no silo that you have to to protect or to yep. to pierce. When there are 50 of you, you don't see everybody every day. You mm-hmm. know, your folks in sales are out on the road doing what they're doing. They're not seeing the folks in the office every day. And, and so what used to happen naturally, and this is true of, of really all of these strategies, you have to now structure intentionally.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's an interesting process. And I think that, you know, it's one that uh, I, I, I will sometimes make an analogy of weightlifting, right? Like in the beginning that the muscle is kind of weak atrophy and right. atrophy, <laughs> you kind of don't want to do it. But over time, as you flex it, as you use it, it gets stronger, it gets more agile. Uh, and, and eventually, you, you'll love it, right? Like, been, this is actually a great way to do it. It's just in the beginning, it's, it's painful, because you're not used to it. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Yeah, excellent, excellent example.
1: Scott, this has been a pleasure. Uh, If people want to find out more about you, about the work that you do, what's the best way to get that information?
0: Yeah, I'd encourage folks to check us out uh, at scalearchitects, plural scalearchitects.com. And if you want to go to scalearchitects.com forward slash podcast dash up. We've got a free course called Creating Capacity that folks can take where I actually walk them through about 30 different strategies in the order that you want to take those strategies in to move through that whitewater stage and into the stage that we call predictable success.
1: That's great. I'll make sure that the links are in the show notes here so people can get that information. Scott, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes. See you next time.
0: You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter.